All right, hold on. I'm just doing my best Jim Rosenthal impression there. Uh, every year, Jim Rosenthal is paid to shush millionaires. That's essentially his job. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, it was an emotional affair. It was lovely to see Juan Mata come out to give his mate Dave the uh, player's player of the season. It became extremely obvious who was the recipient of the award when Mata appeared on stage. And Rooney didn't win. Well, rightly so as well. Uh, although, not to preface uh, the Rankast Awards, because anyone's still in contention, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, of course. Rooney, Rooney didn't win, didn't win the uh, the players player or the, the fans player of the year. Um, David Hare won both for a uh, fine season all round. And then uh, in the other awards that were given out, there was the Ryan Giggs uh, Lifetime Achievement Awards uh, handed out to Ryan Giggs. Uh, an award made up yep. especially for him. You do get a bit suspicious when they start doing that because uh, they started doing that with Ferguson, named the stand after him. They gave him a statue, gave him a road, gave him a, a star in some far-off universe. Uh, it's like, go, go, please go. Go on, no, oh no, come back quick. <laughs> so, um, uh, yeah, you wonder whether they're saying, Ryan, you know, you're, you're a bit old now. On your bike, son. Uh, and then uh, Saidi Janko won the uh, under-21, or I think it's still called the Reserve Player of the Year. Well-deserved there. And, and James Wilson, um, who scored two fine goals, of course, against Hull a couple of weeks ago. The Academy Player of the Year, although I think he's uh, graduated on from the Academy now. Yeah, absolutely. But he was sort of the inevitable winner of that award, wasn't he? And, and you know, I don't know enough about the youth team to say whether those awards were handed out rightly or wrongly. But certainly the senior squads, Patrice Evra arguing very strongly that because he's a defender, he should be given extra credit and should have got the goal of, se- goal of the season award. I've got some sympathy with that argument, certainly. Uh, yes, but we'll we'll, uh, we'll talk about that one later, shall we, when we do the Rankcast Awards? So yeah. there'll be a Rankast Gold of the Season Award, and that's the one people really want to win, let me tell you. Yeah, absolutely. That was the United Awards, and uh, I haven't heard any stories since of United players going out on the Raz afterwards, which has been the case in previous years, and, <laughs> and Alex Ferguson wasn't there, so there was no drunken show from, you know, the embarrassing uncle in the corner. Absolutely. Um, the, the Ryan Giggs Award for being Ryan Giggs led to a wonderful video package of clips of people from around the world of football the great and the good and the Robbie Savage of the world of football praising Ryan Giggs's incredible career and there was a moment when uh, Pele is looking straight into the camera and Ryan Giggs is a couple of feet away from the telly Pele's essentially like looking Ryan Giggs in the eye and saying I admire you and of course like we all know that Pele is actually a massive renter quote who will say anything nice about anyone but he kind of looked like he meant it and you could see that actually that really did get to Ryan Giggs in a way that things don't normally get to him mm, of course 2002 World Cup MVP according to Pele Nicky Butt he was bro like, every time this comes up I, I want to just tell everyone that Pele was actually right about that like Butt was amazing in that World Cup yeah hmm Anyway, it, good good on but you know, career highlight there, along with the Champions League and all those league titles and uh, and all of that. Um, yeah, so that was the awards. And then, um, of course, the final day of the season decided a few things. Uh, would United make it into the Euro- Europa League or not? Had to go and win at Southampton and hope Spurs lost. And that didn't happen and to the collective cheer of many in Manchester and around the world that didn't want to see United in the Europa League, which, you know, I, I fully understand. Playing in Europe's second tier competition doesn't hold a lot of appeal, though probably good for the club overall, given the revenue it brings in and the uh, the status that comes with at least being on a, 
a European stage. But still, it won't happen after United drew 1-1 with Southampton. The Spurs uh, thrashed Aston Villa at White Hart Lane. And, and so we're going to have quite a thin season next season, I think, unless there's a cup run or two. Yeah, and I think, I mean, it might be good for the club in material terms in the short term to be in the Europa League but actually I think the best interests of the club are hugely served by us not being in the Europa League next season as you said last week it allows us to have a thinner squad if well I mean I guess we can stop saying if Van Gaal is the next manager right by the time you listen to this surely Louis Van Gaal will have been announced as Manchester United manager but assuming that it is him that comes in to have a philosophy coach like that you want to give him as much time as possible to work with the players. And the fact that he'll be able to set targets, you know, set up preparation for matches a week ahead, work with the players on the training ground the whole time. I think it's absolutely vital, actually, for our recovery that we didn't get into the Europa League. Well, maybe, you know, I, I think a lot of that depends on the, the transfer goings on this summer. And, and But I do think that is good that United can play with a slightly smaller squad next season. And hopefully the focus then is on as much quality as possible in any purchases rather than, uh, you know, buying a lot of players and filling out squad. There's already a large squad at United we could do with shedding some of the fat and uh, there's quite some of that. But enough about Wayne Rooney. Um, there's, sorry, obvious joke there. I, I thought I thought Anderson was for sure coming next. I'm I'm really surprised it was Wayne Rooney. I've almost forgotten Anderson. He's disappeared. Of course, he will go in the summer. No, well, it, Fiorentina do not want him apparently. So that, that loan with a view to a permanent move looks like it's just a loan and he's got another year on his contract. So Rather unfortunate. We'll have to find a buyer. Yeah, we'll, we'll find a buyer. We'll have to pay him off and, and all of that kind of stuff. So Anyway, Southampton, which was um, another difficult-ish game, I thought, for United. I mean, you know, obviously Southampton have been excellent this season. They've got four four players in the England squad and Pochettino's built a very good side there. I need to do one, I presume, this summer along with half his squad. And uh, they gave United a very difficult game, especially in the first half, I thought. Southampton kept a lot of the ball and were really quite dominant. And then... Uh, Giggs obviously giving it the dressing room inspirational speech which all the players talk about uh, and United came out in the second half and I thought in the end uh, got a draw that they deserved yeah absolutely the second half performance was a massive uptick the United fans were in genuinely extraordinary voice even for United fans the idea that somehow this is a club full of uh, glory hunter supporters has been proved to be the sort of laughable notion that it is really this season the, the hardcore of travelling Fans noisy doing the conga up and down in St Mary's. Uh, it was good stuff, and there was a beautiful moment. So in the second half, Juan Mata miscontrols a pass, and it goes straight out of play. And Ray Houghton, who is co-commentating on the Sci-Fi Channel on NBC, says, "Oh, what's happened to him? He's a shadow of the player he was at Chelsea." And I, I was like just infuriated by that it felt like such an ignorant stupid comment and there's been so many people saying that Juan Mata's had a really disappointing start to his United career which seems insane to me anyway about two minutes later Juan Mata scores an absolutely beautiful free kick he did and he had a very good game all round I thought you know mixed performances from Various United players, you know, Vidic pretty commanding at the back in his last ever performance for United. And I thought Evra was good too at the back for United. Will he get another year? I have to say, I I think it would be pretty insane of United to not offer him another year. I know that's not a widely popular opinion, but uh, to lose Ferdinand, Vidic 
and ever in the same summer is uh, a, a really poor mistake, I think. Anyway, that's a, that's an aside. Kagawa, pretty disappointing in central midfield, in all honesty. I mean, he, he didn't look that comfortable in there, did he? he, he kind of Schneiderlin and Cork and Wanyama. Wanyama, you can barely get in the Southampton side, kind of dominating in there for a long period. And a little unfortunate on Kagawa. Uh, Welbeck did all right in the wing. Yanazai did all right. Van Persie, pretty quiet up front, I thought. Um, although unsurprising given he's been out for so long and uh, I don't suppose he wants another injury before the World Cup. But, you know, uh, you know, he got a lot better in the second half, a uh, bit more composed, a bit more controlled, got a deserved goal, I thought, and uh, in the end, 1-1 was about fair. The change for Carrick, I mean, Carrick, who'd had such a terrible game at Hull, a much better game, really did make a bit of a difference when he came on. And Kagawa, like, not to bang on about it, but, you know, that is not where he's supposed to be playing, is it? You know, he's not a number eight, is he? He's he's uh, clearly not cut out for that role. No, well, I mean, he was out-muscled a lot. And it's, it was surprising how often he seemed to lose the ball or get caught in possession, you know, and... Uh, it doesn't really uh, doesn't really feel like it suits him. But then again, look, saying that he's he's quick over the ground, he's mobile. He can play with his back to goal or with the ball in front of him, which is what he prefers. He's a very good passer of the ball. Uh, he's got a lot of the skills to play in there. I'm not sure he's really up for the battle. I think uh, he's uh, he's you know essentially a specialist number ten with a great eye for goal, and and unfortunately we've got about seventeen of those, yeah, uh, which doesn't help him. I really really hope he stays though. I have to say, I'd, it'd be a real shame if if United still got rid of him, even though Moyes has gone, because um, you'd think that Van Hal would be able to do something with a player of that ilk. Talking about a player of that ilk, Nemanja Vidic is last. Well, it was Ferdinand and Vidic's last game both, wasn't it? They're, they're both off. Really just very sad to see them both leave. Not that I necessarily think it's wrong. I mean, certainly Vidic, it's arguable. And he, he gave an interview where he, he said without saying that if he'd known Moyes was leaving, he may well have stayed another year. He was extremely scathing about Moyes, if you read anywhere near between the lines of what he said. Well, yeah. And, and I mean, that's, it's the right question, isn't it? Um, he, he made that decision to go because he felt that Moyes was there for the long term. Yeah, absolutely. And and it's interesting, like the that sort of club spin backfires on the club in that sense. But anyway, the thing is, I'm not talking about even rationally, like it's it's just sad to see the two of them go because they have been... I mean, you know, people will rightly talk about Bruce and Pallister as one of the, the great United centre-back combinations of our lifetime, and they were phenomenal. But Vidic and, Vidic and Ferdinand are just, they're just an absolute cut above anything I've ever seen with my own eyes. I mean, I know there's, there's been internationally some great partnerships, but to have had them at United and, and they, they, I mean, in that sort of 2006 to 2010 or whatever, they were without question the finest central defensive partnership. And it's so appropriate that Vidic played the last game just dripping with blood out of his face as if to prove how vidic he was. <laughs> well, right, yeah. We talked about him putting his head where uh, other people were scared to put their boots and he did exactly that, didn't he? Well, uh, mind you, he did catch the uh, pointy end of Ricky Lambert's elbow, didn't he? Uh, for for Southampton's goal, which really shouldn't have stood. Clear foul on Vidic there in the build-up. A bit of a surprise. The referee didn't see it since Lambert took a jump and a swing and tried to take Vidic's head off. He did. He was almost successful in doing so. But Vidic's head is, is on its shoulders and on its way to Milan. 
there was speculation at the end about whether Ferdinand would be leaving or not and there's been a lot of speculation about the nature of his uh, departure his statement said that he's decided it's time to leave and he's been very active on like the Manchester United Instagram account had a load of stuff from him highlighting his favourite memories and all that kind of stuff and there was also talk though that he'd been sacked in the dressing room in front of other people which seems a very unlikely turn of events to me. It doesn't It doesn't sound like the sort of thing that could happen. And if that did happen, you wouldn't think he'd be doing all the sort of PR stuff, would you? Yeah, I'm quite sure that is not the case. Uh, I, I think that some of that stems from the frustration that, uh, although this has clearly been a decision coming for a while, this has not necessarily been made in the last week or so, that United could have given him the same send-off that Vidic got. I mean, after all, Ferdinand's been at the club for 12 years, and yeah, longer than Fidditch, and uh, he didn't get to say goodbye to the fans at Old Trafford. And I think Giggs said something along the lines of, we planned his last game for the week before. Um, which, which uh, fine, but uh, there was no... There was no goodbye and no speech and so on. So uh, it, that well, that was a bit of a shame that there wasn't a last performance. I wonder whether he'll come back for a friendly or something in the summer. The flip side of that was that his kids were the mascot of the second, the penultimate game of the season, weren't they? And so there was there was some occasion to be marked. But yeah, not that not that same speech in front of the crowd at Old Trafford. And, and that is a shame that that didn't happen because, you know... I mean, people get very irate still about Rio's contract negotiations nine years ago. And I, I find that very odd. And uh, admittedly, it it came just on the back of all that stuff around his missed drugs test. And that irked people because they felt the club had stood by him. And that was his job to stand by the club. But ultimately... It... Mm. Instead, he was standing by Peter Kenyon, the wobbly god tosser that he is. Yeah. Well, except, no, I, I just I just won't. I just don't have it. I think that he, he was negotiating from a strong position and given the the type of institution Manchester United is there's absolutely no reason he shouldn't have done that why should he get less out of his football career than he could have done based on his talent you know I think for the reason the same reason why uh, it irks us that uh, Wayne Rooney pulled that trick twice yeah so um, it, it's it's perfectly rational for a player to use their position within the club or, or other clubs interest to get the best for themselves of course it, of course it is and, and everyone who's got any kind of career and has moved job has done exactly the same thing but uh, um, this is of course you know not a just a rational business process for fans and fans like to see the the players show some kind of loyalty and and the reason why that irked so many people was that he spent the best part of a year out for being an idiot at, at best and uh, in, in missing a test, even though I think if you look through the details of that case, as we all did many, many times, he was pretty wronged by the FA in the way they behaved in not giving him a, a second chance there. He was dumb. He spent a long time on the sidelines. He was paid something like £4 million pounds uh, for not playing. I'd love to be paid that kind of money for not doing anything. Thank you very much. Uh, and then h- how did he repay the club? He repaid it by going and having a dinner with a, an agent and a, a former United employee, now managing director of a rival club. So, you know, of course that is going to irk people, of course. And, and there's another one other thing as well that with Rio that irks people. He's a Londoner, turns up in his flash Ferrari and is different from the rest and you know if you compare him to the class of 92 local boys who well yeah Beckham aside 
they grow up with the club, then then it feels like a very different entity. You know, and that's not really a criticism of Rio, but it's an observation about uh, how he might engender some of that criticism. Well, I think two things. One, the comparison with Rooney would be just if instead of then spending nine years fully dedicated to the club, he tried to leave again a couple of years later, you know, batting his eyelids all over town. And so, and it, this, the, this is the kind of key thing for me with Rio is like, it was nine years ago. And since then, and also this, this kind of speaks to both points in a way because he has thrown himself into the culture of what it means to be a Manchester United player ever since. Like he's done things I don't like. He he was he used a homophobic swear word on Radio One. I think five caps look a bit silly, although I also think quite a lot of the criticisms that five caps get is a cultural thing. It's like it's a, a fashion icon from a different part of fashion than the people that kind of criticize them relate to. Like, I'm not a fan, but some people really like them uh, and that's fine by me you know and the whole kind of flash cockney thing well that's fair enough but also he's like absolutely embodied the fierce determination to win that it means to be a man united player yeah fine uh, that's all fair enough and uh, i have to say I'm, I'm you know i don't really feel that uh, critical of rio i think he's been an, uh, an outstanding defender for united for 12 years uh, you know i i like him i think he he can certainly be a bit of a knob, but, uh, you know, he puts himself out there and, and so he, he engenders that observation because of that, you know, but fair play yeah, to absolutely. him. I think he engages and, uh, and you know, fair play to him. I think he's been an outstanding player for United. I do think he should have had a better send-off from the club. It was a bit weird how it was all a cloak and dagger, yeah, and which is a shame and I don't think he deserved it, but I do understand why there is the criticism and I think you can compartmentalise here and say he didn't behave properly at certain times in his career and he engendered some criticism. He's been a fantastic player and he's a good ambassador and I think he's a United fan. He's grown into being a United fan and, and you know, we'll remember him fondly, but I think for some of the reasons I've said, he won't be remembered as uh, as fondly as gigs and skulls and butt and so on. No, and I think I think it's a tier thing, isn't it? There's God tier. This is a, this is super nerdy fighting game uh, breakdown, but like Ryan Giggs and Paul Skulls are God tier, and like he's just the tier below that. He's not Georgie Best, but he is pretty extraordinary. And, and like just a word about the two of them as defenders. Like, watching Rio Ferdinand defend. <laughs> Vidic kind of totally gets the blood pumping, gets your heart racing. It's like incredible physical presence and bravery and timing and all that. But, like, <laughs> Rio just surveying the place, putting himself in the right place at the right time. Ferguson said he lost that electric yard of pace and needed to reinvent himself. And then, arguably, last season was one of Rio Ferdinand's best seasons in the United Church. Such a shame he didn't bow out after scoring the winner in... Alex Ferguson's uh, last time debut. Can we, I think we should all, this is one of the many reasons why we should just pretend this season never happened. Rio Ferdinand retired at the end of last season, right? Well, right. Uh, and, and one important final point to make, uh, Ferdinand six, Gerard nil. <laughs> Absolutely. Plus the, Go Rio. I mean, of course, of course, Gerard has a European cup, but so has Rio and so delighted that, that he got that European cup and made it to a further two Champions League finals as well and was such an important part of why. So yeah, he'll definitely Definitely, definitely be missed, even though, of course, it makes complete sense that he's not kept on now. Well, it does. But, you know, United are a long, long, long way from the quality of 
Ferdinand and Vidic in 2008 at the back. I mean, there's question marks over all of them. Forget the theoretical quality. The reality is that Jones is injured or loses focus all the time. Smalling is injured or is passing the ball to the opposition all the time. Evans is injured or still has an error in him and then is injured again. You know, Raphael is injured and then loses concentration and Evra is just wandering around the pitch. He's never injured, but he's definitely not doing any <laughs> defending. And Bootner uh, is just nowhere near United quality. So there's, there's some really big issues to sort out for the new guy. I mean, he's got to desperately hope either that he can keep those three, Jones, Smalling and Evans, fit, uh, or he's got to make a decision about that. And not that I'd advocate getting rid of any of them, because I think they're all, they all have loads of talent, and Smalling and Jones can definitely grow from here. But Smalling in particular hasn't grown in the way you'd like him to. It's not helped that he's playing a right back a lot, which doesn't suit him. Jones just needs to play in central defence. That's it. Nowhere else. Forget all this talk about playing in midfield. That was only about the paucity of United's options in midfield. Has to play in central defence, has to learn the game, and he's got to stay fit. Yeah, and what's really interesting is I think we could have said all of these things about Rio Ferdinand at the age of 26. You know, when Rio Ferdinand was Johnny Evans' age, he was having injury problems, and he looked to have a mistake a game in him. You know, there was always that concentration lapse. And not at 26, at 22 maybe. Either maybe 24, 25, I think. I think it was a long time before Ferdinand felt like he wasn't making mistakes. And it went from a mistake a game to a mistake a season, you know, over the course of that sort of 2000 and, the, 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 2005 to 2008 sort of period. Yeah, well, look. Uh- I, I don't think I don't think Evans will be served well by uh, attempting to compare him to Rio. So you know I think the base product is just not there. And not that I'm being critical of Evans, I think that's a fair observation. He's just not in the same class, and uh, he's now been in the United first team or around it for what six seasons now, and he's still getting injured all the time. And if he's not injured. I don't think the quality has been there. He has upped his game most seasons during that time, you know, and that's the positive thing you can say about Evans. He's definitely been learning, but he's got to play. He's got to play, you know. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. The The injury thing is non-negotiable with all three of them. And I think we, we'll talk more about this when we come on to the awards of the season and the sort of preview of next season. And, and to go back to where we started all this conversation, the Southampton game, there was a left-back present in that game. Because Patrice Ever, by the way, we're saying like it'd be lovely if he stays, but all the papers are just having it written that he is off to Inter specifically. Like, I mean, maybe maybe this is paper talk and, and that, that won't be the case, but they're pretty definitive about it. And they were also definitive about the fact that as as Edward Wood pulled out of the St. Mary's car park, he left a little note saying, oh, BTW, £27 million for Luke Shaw. How's that sound to you? He was excellent. I'll tell you how it sounds to me. It sounds like a massive amount of money to spend on an 18-year-old, but potentially, like Rio in 12 years' time, we'll be saying that was good value for money. I mean, Rio was hugely expensive too, but uh, over the years, he's proven outstanding value for money, even though it was a massive amount. And, and Shaw's definitely got the talent to be bracketed like that. You know, it's all ifs and buts, isn't it? We, we don't know how it'll work out for him. In the short term, if ever it does go, and, and I agree, it does kind of look likely, doesn't it? And United do secure Shaw. Uh, we're going to end up with an 18-year-old rookie. Don't know how he'll adapt to playing on a much bigger stage with much greater pressure, despite his undoubted quality. And Alex Butner at left-back. And uh, that 
looks a bit thin to me. I'd say I'd be a bit worried about that one, but maybe it's a process. Maybe they'll go out and buy another left back as well, which, you know, if ever it goes, I would definitely recommend. Yeah, and I wonder whether some of the youth product will be start to be seen uh, as cover for the first team. Mm, not in that position they won't be, but uh, Michael Keane's definitely got an option. Yeah, that's, he's that's had a very good season. You know, he's not been with the under-21s much this season. Spent a lot of it out on loan, but um, I think he's got the quality to come in. But I think you'd be saying if he does that and United have... Evans, Jones, Smalling and Keane as their sort of four options. That still looks a bit risky. It looks very risky to me, to be honest. You know, And, and me. Yeah, given that you want to build your squad from the back, I'd, I'd easily spend the 25 to 30 million it'll take to bring in Hummels or Benatia or someone of uh, a similar experience and quality. I think that's well worth it. And then, then you decide which ones you want to keep and which ones you don't of the rest. Absolutely. And that is one of the biggest challenges facing the manager. And, and as as Ferdinand and Vidic and Evra walked off, having a couple of them having thrown their shirts into the crowd at the end of that Southampton game, they, they walked out the end of an era you know last season the era really ended as, as Ferguson left but that was that wasn't so much an era as an epoch I don't know which one of those is longer but you know Ferguson's reign spanned several eras and one of them was the Ferdinand and Vidic era and that is now fully over too it is and, and look count up the problems for for the new man you know all four defensive positions there's a question mark you know injuries quality players leaving Central midfield is a deserted wasteland, isn't it? I mean, Carrick's had his worst season ever at United. Fletcher, in and out, not sure that he'll ever be the same again. Anderson, oh dear. All sorts of problems there. In wide areas, Antonio Valencia, terrible season. Ashley Young is just terrible. Up front, you hope there's some quality, especially now that... Um, uh, Van Persie's recovered from his moisitis and then you've got a whole bunch of number 10s you know Yanazai and Mata and Kagawa so there's you know plenty of attacking quality but central midfield and central defence I mean United are well short uh, and this is a, it's a, it's a super problem um, when you compound it with all these players leaving and all that experience going because if you've replaced them with kids uh, you know what you're going to get next season it's going to be an inconsistent season from United you're saying uh, we'll never win anything with kids. I'm saying it'll be an inconsistent season. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Which, of course, it was in the you'll never win anything with kids season. And, you know, even in the areas where there's no problem, there's a big problem because how do you fit all those attacking players in and keep the ones that aren't playing happy and blah, 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 blah. You know, all that stuff is really problematic. Luke Shaw's performance in that game was exceptional. He was a clear man of the match. Managed to keep Adnan Yanazai quiet, which is no mean feat. Uh, really, really impressive. And and you, he definitely looked like he was, uh, you know, play a bit of an audition piece for sure. I think he's an excellent player. I mean, I've, I've said it many times. I mean, there, there are some other players around Europe who I think are also excellent players and United could do that. And they will be paying a premium for him being English or for him being young or for... United taking him off a rival club, that sounds rather disastrous, but <laughs> seventh and eighth, you know. And the fact that Southampton are financially sound and they don't need to sell even if the player wants to go and that Chelsea was sniffing around because he's a Chelsea fan and Manchester City was sniffing around because they're not sure about Kolarov or Clichy. So United paying a big, big premium, definitely, but they're also getting a huge amount of quality. Uh, the, the big question for me is not really about his defensive quality or his attacking quality because they're both, you know, he's got all the tools. It's how he adapts to that massive price tag and the 
you know the responsibility and pressure that comes with playing for United because it's a different ball game altogether. Some it just doesn't work for some players, and we've seen that down the years many many times. Absolutely, and it's also how you adapt to that salary at that age because it is just no joke. It is just no joke to try and keep your feet on the ground when you're 18 years old. No matter how much your head screwed on, your psychological development isn't finished yet. You are still in psychological terms. Like if you look at all the different theories of child development, there are very few that would consider that you have matured into your full self by the age of 18 you know I got Ed I remember what we were like when we were 18 we would not have done well with 100 grand a week in our pockets no I'd have definitely been buying a better class of vodka I know that <laughs> yeah absolutely so I guess that does the Southampton game it certainly does and, and we kind of crossed over into talking about transfer speculation so, so, look, you, you follow this one, Paul, you know, because you're writing lists about transfer speculation uh, on an hourly basis, I believe. Um, who are United linked with this week? Fortunately, I've not been uh, tasked with the transfer tracker, so I can't give you the full breakdown of every one that we've been linked with this week. But everything I've seen has been just the same old, same old. The biggest, all the coverage, really, all the United Focus coverage this week has been about the manager. So the players that we've been linked with, the Luke Shaw thing went really big this week. The talk was that Southampton turned down £27 million uh, and United would be prepared to pay up to £30 million. It seems really weird at that point, doesn't it? It's like, oh no, I'm not taking £27 million. We'd, we'd take 30 though. There's, there's a weird sort of fictional quality to those kind of numbers. The players that we have been linked with, every single one of them is in a pretty good situation where they are right now. And every single one of them would be taking some kind of risk of coming to United because there's barely a player that we're linked with that isn't playing Champions League football next season, for example. To me, I don't know why we don't just write off the Munich players. It seems like an extraordinary set of circumstances that would get any of, like, Müller. We were linked with uh, Robin, which seems completely crazy. Well, that's just he's Dutch and Van Gaal is joining, yeah. No, no, I think you're right. Uh, I don't think Müller's going anywhere. He's negotiating a new contract. Ditto Tony Cruz, I think that's uh, very unlikely too. Uh, Marco Reus, uh, obviously of Dortmund, not Munich, said this week that he, he will definitely be at uh, Dortmund next season, along with his manager, um, so that, that's an awful lot of quality seem to be ruling themselves out of United there. Yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, you know, and, and let's be realistic. You know, the, the 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 best options for United are to go for the highest quality players available from clubs where United can actually extract the player. And you know, I think people ought to keep that in mind when they're reading all the transfer speculation when we think we're going to steal the player who's played more games than any other at Munich or nearly any other uh, in Tony Cruz and made more passes than any other player and he's clearly a favourite of Guardiola despite the nonsense that was written to the contrary this season in Tony Cruz they will find the money and they will pay him because that's the negotiation process isn't it he's using United much as Fabregas did and much as Rio and Wayne Rooney used other clubs against us. I mean, not only did Fabregas use United last season, he's had it again, because we've been linked with Fabregas again, and it, it sort of feels slightly less fictional this summer, but I think that might just be because we were worn down by last summer, and also he's had a very mixed season in Barcelona, but so's everyone, and I suspect whoever comes in next is going to want to keep Fabregas around, aren't they? Let's just review this mixed season he had. I mean, he's the biggest assist maker at the club this season with like 20 or something like that. I haven't actually looked the stats up, but go look it up. It's a lot. 
he scored a lot of goals and he's made a lot of assists and he's played a lot of games too because uh, Xavi's been frequently injured. So, hmm. yeah, he's also he's also had a lot of stick from the mental Catalan press, hasn't he? You know, Barcelona haven't run away with the title. If, if they win next weekend, they will be La Liga champions. And if you believe the Catalan press uh, and in fact many other people, the sky had fallen in on Barcelona. This is this is how good this group of players are who are you know admittedly aging Xavi is well into his 30s Iniesta just turned 30 Messi's not had his best season he's only scored like 75 goals or something and uh, yeah and and a few of the others haven't been at their brilliant best PK's been injured a lot and so on you know still everything has gone wrong tax scandals Neymar not playing in the right position Martino not able to get used to the stature of the club and uh, and still they are one victory away from uh, taking the crown again. So they're also a side which lost Guardiola, which was a brutal sense of loss. Then Tito took over and did a really good job, and they lost him. You know they've essentially lost him three times, and and this season, of course, in the worst possible way. So you know they're they're a team that's been through a lot, as you say. And but yeah, so I. Uh, for all those reasons and more, it seems completely ridiculous that Fabregas will come. Just slightly less ridiculous than this time last season, but that is on a very grand scale of ridiculousness. The one thing you have to say is, I don't think Louis van Gaal's going to buy it if Ed Woodward says, yeah, 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 we're just on the verge of signing Cesc Fabregas. You know what I mean? In the way that Moyes apparently seemed to. No, I, I think the word naive is not one I would use with van Gaal, you know, and uh, at all. I mean, I mean, he's had such a fascinating career. I wrote a piece for the the blog this week so I did you know quite a bit of research into his background and and uh, that kind of stuff and you know he's got he's got all the right credentials of course it hasn't always gone right for him he's made a load of mistakes over the years especially at Bayern in that final season and at Barcelona kind of got shafted the second time round and the first time round appeared to lose some of the sight of the club and uh, and so he's made mistakes over the years but he's got all the tools and I I think you know in the way that I felt instinctively felt that Moyes was the wrong man at the wrong time, the wrong club for him, and and everything was just wrong, and it turned out that way. Uh, I instinctively feel that Van Gaal will be good for United, and uh, I think he'll help United in the transfer market because of his gravitas, uh, because he's pulled with players, despite the talk from the noisy neighbours about the players hating him. It's really not true. And... Um, uh, he won't be a long-term appointment, of course. He's not going to stay 10 years. He'll probably stay three. Yes, Ryan Giggs will be looking over his shoulder, but this is a man with a mega ego. He's not going to feel uh, threatened by it. Not in the same way that David Moyes clearly was and, and actually was. Um, you know, So for me, they kind of all line up in the right way. And to segue this from the transfer piece, I think it will help United there. He'll, I think he'll have a very clear idea of what he wants because he has a very clear idea of the types of players he wants and the types of positions he wants. And, you know, he's not, although he plays, clearly plays a 4-3-3 with Holland, he hasn't always played that, but he's basically played variants of it. So, And, and you know, the style of football is, is very Van Hal. So I think we know what we're going to get. I think... I know the kinds of players he's going to be looking for. I don't think Fabregas is that because I think you know he's got enough of the players of that ilk at United. Uh, although he he would like a box to box, I'm sure, and he would like a proper defensive midfield. And I'm not sure that we have those 
um, at least of the quality he wants. So, you know, I think in all in all, Van Gaal will be good for United as a manager and I think he'll be good this summer. The one thing that I'm really, really curious about is the midfield situation. So the William Carvalho story has gone completely silent since the point at which it was announced in the papers that it was essentially a done deal. Whether or not there's any truth to how done it is and that's why it's gone silent, I think I, I have seen not minute one of William Carvalho playing football by the way but I'd still be really excited about that signing because of the people who have seen him and what they've said about him people whose opinion I would kind of rate on these things uh, have suggested that whilst it's an awful lot of money for a player of his age unproven at the highest of high levels uh, he's he's an excellent defensive minded midfielder and you know that would be wonderful and that seems like a signing that is viable uh, depending on who our competitors are but apart from that signing, all the other midfielders we've linked to seem kind of out of our range or not even like out of our range, but just players that don't particularly want to move this summer. Yes, uh, you know, Vidal and Pogba are going nowhere, it would seem. And, and if they were, it would be for mega, mega, mega money uh, from a club that doesn't need it. So, uh, yeah, I, I think you're right there. It would be interesting to see. There, there will be some other players. I mean, Streetman is the other one that's been talked about a lot, but he's uh, he's screwed his knee up so I don't think United will be spending a penny on him this summer until they know that he's fit again and rightly so and we'll see where else um, United look in the coming weeks um, it's going to have to happen quickly though because uh, Van Hull's off to the World Cup and he's with the, the squad he apparently met Ryan Giggs uh, today that's Wednesday uh, to have a chat about the future and one day off he had but the, the rest of the time from here until about mid-July depending on uh, how Holland do at the World Cup is going to be with the the World Cup squad. So it's up to Ed Woodward to pull off some magic and uh, sign us the players he was completely and totally unable to do last summer. Yeah, I mean, we hope, as as you, we've talked about a lot, that David Gill and Alex Ferguson will be involved in some way in this process. The talk today is that Ryan Giggs will indeed be offered the assistant manager job under Louis van Gaal and that Patrick Clivert won't be coming along. So I think that's, you know, this is this is the dream scenario, isn't it, for all concerned. And it's funny you mentioned that thing about City saying that Louis van Gaal's players hated him. Like, you just, <laughs> just go and watch that clip of Robin van Persie from uh, from after the whole game to see if uh, if Louis van Gaal's players hate him. They certainly don't all hate him, do they? No, they don't. And then, in fact, you know, Robin, since you mentioned him, has, uh, has said very clearly how much uh, he owes van Gaal and a bunch of other players have said similar stuff too, you know. And, and look, this is a man who's had arguments upon arguments over the years because he's uh, he's very forthright. Uh, I wonder whether it'll still work at United, though. I think that kind of domineering personality is all right, you know. And, and uh, I, I'm not sure that he'll even see Ed Woodward as a peer. And, uh, you know, slimy marketing man from a consultancy that just having to luck his way into a football club. I'm not sure that Van Gaal will be respecting Woodward enough to have too many arguments with him. You know, we'll see. And the Glazers are never to be heard from. So I think uh, Van Gaal will establish plenty of power at United quite quickly. And, and Ryan Giggs uh, is, uh, it will be proved to be a good link with the dressing room. And whether Clive Oak comes or not, uh, we'll see. But there, there's definitely a couple of other Dutch coaches coming, we know, because Phil Neville will definitely not be putting the cones out next season. He's been let go. He's gone. He's gone, which is a, which is a shame. Although, you know, I don't think anyone had too many great things to say about Phil Neville, the coach. 
perhaps he just needs to eat a bit more meat. You know, then he'd have kept his job. The uh, the one the one who has got good things to say. I'm ignoring your your evil vegetarian jibes. The one who has got good things to say about Phil Neville, the coach. Funnily enough, is Gary Neville, the commentator. Funnily enough, funnily enough, yeah, meat eating Gary Neville. He likes to club a seal to death and eat them live. It won't be long before Phil sells Gary on the environmental benefits of vegetarianism and gets him to switch. We all know Gary. Gary Neville might be a red, but he's thoroughly green. Yeah, so the he's gone and Chris Woods has indeed gone as well. So the Everton lot have entirely been shipped out from top to bottom now. There, there is no more Everton at Manchester except Marion Fellaini. And I suspect he'll be here for another season or two. Well, he might well have to be because United would take a huge loss. Although actually there's part of me that is, would be tempted to take that loss and just uh, accept you made a mistake. But no, uh, when you're going to purge, you might as well do a full purge. And, and that's what United have done. So all the coaching staff from the the unfortunate Evertonisation of United have gone. There'll be a couple of Dutch staff, so you know a couple of coaches, new goalkeeping coach and a technical analyst. Um, looks like uh, United's other fitness coach will be staying, though gigs will stay. Although it was said in one paper, the Telegraph today, that he'll be leaving. I do not believe that is the case. So I think he'll be working with Warren Joyce next season. There's still the option that Paul Scholes could end up working with, but in the European competition as well as the academy. We'll see about that one. Uh, United aren't in the European competition because they're not in the Champions League. That's that's right. So, yeah, that won't be happening. We'll, we'll see whether Paul Scholes still takes the job there. There's, a, there's definitely a vacancy anyway. So those are not decided yet. We'll see. I'm pretty sure Butt will say that. Uh, the key question is whether friend of the rank cast at Liz Worsley gets the vacant part-time academy physio role. So that's the appointment we really want to see. Is that right? I'm sure she'd like to be uh, working on those muscly young men. <laughs> Outrageous scenes. Um, so yeah, the the it's it's a huge trans- transition. I think apart from that centre forward, I wouldn't be surprised by any position coming in at United. Oh well, obviously, like a like a media punter or whatever, you wouldn't expect a, a, a massive number ten to be signed. So number nine and number ten, no no players signed everywhere else on the pitch. You wouldn't be surprised to see uh, strengthening done, would you? Uh, yeah, right. G- good assessment. You know, I, I think uh, you could quite easily sign players for every single position except for the goalkeeper and nine and ten. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Not yeah. Uh, so United you know, yeah. well stocked there. I mean, really, uh, the question marks are about departures. I think uh, you know will. And as Lindegaard go, maybe. I mean, he probably deserves some game time. Ben Amos uh, ruining his career playing in the under 21s till he's 24. And uh, Will Hernandez go, he certainly seemed like it for a long time. But, you know, change of manager may change uh, his thinking there. Although, uh, is anyone going to touch Van Persie at number nine next season? I don't think so, funnily enough. No, but we need cover, don't we? I mean, you need, a thin squad is fine, but Van Persie can still get injury can't he and and we want a high quality cover there I mean the problem of course is that four into one doesn't go right I mean you said three into two doesn't go four into one goes even less so you got Rooney Van Persie Welbeck and Hernandez and you got James Wilson coming through who I guess we all think probably is going to go out on loan next season right all right well Welbeck can play wide Rooney can play deep uh, yeah. so it's, it's really Hernandez has got the problem again and, it is uh, exactly exactly the same as this season, really. Although Rooney and Welbeck both have a problem there too, because I was just writing a big thing about Welbeck for an end of the season ebook, and obviously it's full of praise and how much I love Welbeck. But rationally, because I, I I really think that Welbeck could de- develop into an absolute top class 
centre forward, proper centre forward. And if you, I was looking at Thierry Henry's career because he's the player that Welbeck reminds me the most of in terms of the way he dresses the ball, in terms of his range of skills and all that. But obviously, what he doesn't, what Welbeck doesn't have that Henry had was that real laser killer instinct focus on goal but we saw it in Welbeck this season when he played up front as a proper out and out centre forward actually that was genuinely developing he's hardly played a game where he started a centre forward this season where he hasn't scored you know he's he's got his best ever haul in the league I think it's his best haul all in all as well and I think if he played 40 games at number nine he would definitely get 20 goals you know but of course that's never going to happen at United so so I think if he really wants to be the very best striker he could be, he would be best served by leaving. But I, I don't think he'll do that because he obviously is a red, isn't he? He very much is. Anyway, so that's, there's a lot of talk about transfers. We'll um, we'll come and address that again during the World Cup, I guess. You know, briefly, we'll be talking about the World Cup. But after this, we're taking a, a month-long sabbatical to recharge the batteries and uh, come back uh, as the finest podcasters that we can be, which isn't very good. But, you know, hey, we'll give it a shot. And uh, But before we go this week, we have to talk uh, Rantcast Awards. Prestigious, coveted, worldwide famous. They are not. But we've done these for, what, four years now? So random collection of awards that we like to give, as well as our player of the season. We'll come to the player of the season last, shall we? Do you want to, do you want to go through our list of, of, uh, of, you know, I know we won't be surprised. You know, Michael Carrick's <laughs> clearly. I, I mean, no, I mean, yeah, Alex Butner. I was going to say, like, for once this season, we could just do player of the season first because it's the one with the least possible drama. But no, we'll save it. We'll save it for the end. We might spring a surprise. We're not going to spring a surprise. Um, All right, Ed. So who is your defender of the season? Yeah, this is like the most difficult question possible because they've all been rubbish. Uh, no, it's that's it's a lie. It's a lie. I, I guess it's probably Nemanja Vidic. I think his performances have been the most consistent when he's been fit, and of course he hasn't always been fit. And um, the, the rest of them been really difficult. Evra has disappeared, as I said, uh, defensively all season longer. Though his attacking game is still reasonably strong. Uh, Raphael just injured too often. Evans injured too often. Jones injured too often and playing all over the place. Did have some very good games uh, for a short period in central defence. Smalling have to say been very disappointed with Smalling, but he's just not a right back, and he's definitely not a right back in a David Moyes side that wants him to lump it long. Uh, and so he's really had a bad season, but it's not all his fault. I agree. I kind of have to say that, like, if this award was just, like, centre-half of the season, like, player with the highest average score per performance at centre-half, I think Chris Morning might get it. Because actually he's barely put a foot wrong when he's played at centre-half. It's just happened so infrequently and his development's been so hampered by just, I mean, it's insane trying to play Smalling on the right. It's one of it's one of Moyes' worst repeated errors. It's just, it, it's not worked once. No, my new Ferguson used to do it a lot too, you know. So. Yeah, 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 absolutely. But Ferguson did it less, didn't he? And he was more inclined to play Jones there than Moyes ever was and, you know, all that stuff. So I, I think... I think I would give it to Vidic too, but it, it's really like it is Vidic by default, isn't it? And 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 he did not cover himself in glory in the first half of the season whatsoever. He's just ironically, since we well, I remember you saying Ed, like, will he really be committed to fifty fifties now that he's signed for Inter? Well, yeah, <laughs> he really was committed to those fifty fifties. He was he didn't change. In fact, if anything, he improved in the Vidic 
household in the morning and uh, the fight for the bathroom. You know, Vidic is sliding in to take out Anna, isn't he? You know, make sure he gets to the shower first. Yeah, no, full full on commitment. There was a, although I did think it was very strange to allow him to parade for another club mid season. Uh, his performances haven't dipped as a result, and uh, you know, well well played Nemanja. Uh, another reason why I'll be missed. So uh, midfield, best and worst midfielders. Oh my god, this is a might have to massage what a midfielder is here. Oh, we haven't we haven't given our worst defender award though yet, uh, and and I hate to do it, but I think I might have to give it to Patrice. Oh, I love Patrice Evra. He's easily like if it was favourite players, he'd be right up there in the top. And and like his attacking contribution almost makes me think it's harsh to give it. But in terms of the one who's committed the most defensive catastrophes this season. I think Patrice is up there. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a good shout. Um, I think a defender is a, an all-round position these days. So he's only been the worst in half of his yeah, job. Yeah, so, yeah. Okay. Um, Alex Butner is terrible, but he's barely played, so I can't give it to him. So so in that case, it's Chris Smalling, because I think he's just been horrendous at oh. right-back. Just really awful. Uh, it just feels so harsh, because he was so good at centre-back. But all right, all right, you've, you've talked me into it, because I don't want to give it to Patrice anyway. Um, so yeah, Chris Smalling is. So, best and worst midfielders. Well, I mean, what are we counting the number 10s as? Uh, are we counting them as attackers or midfielders? Because this is the key for me, because Juan Mata wins it by a mile if we can count him. Yeah, well, no, I don't think we can. I think we're talking midfield, proper midfield, not attacker. He's basically attacker and attacker, so is Shinji, so I don't think either of those count. Well, for me, it's a joint award between Cleverly and Fellaini uh, for different reasons. I mean, Cleverly has been properly awful and that's not scapegoating. He's just been terrible, objectively. Really, really poor season from him and it's a real shame he's gone a long way backwards. And here's a player I really thought could become a proper Manchester United player a couple of years ago. I was pretty excited about him, but uh, nowhere near at the moment. And Fellaini, for a different reason, uh, he's been properly awful, but he's also £27 million worth of properly awful as well uh, he was never the right player for United just never never ever understood that he could be United's Yaya I mean I think that's just because he's big and black because uh, apart from that there's there's no comparison Yaya Torre is awesome and uh, for all Yaya's awesomeness Fellaini is awful yeah I mean I have to say I've got to give worst midfielder of the season to Michael Carrick it, because Fellaini was bad but you knew what you were going to get with Fellaini Fellaini was exactly what Fellaini was supposed to be and cleverly was abject uh, like this is this is a slightly unfair one in a way because it's not that I'm saying that Michael Carrick's performances were the worst of all United's midfielders. It was just that he was the one who was the most disappointing. Uh, like the the extent to which he just plummeted off a cliff of complacency into abject averageness. And and I am not a Michael Carrick. I think last season he was our second best player. I think the season before that he was our best player. I think the Michael Carrick haters with a with a with an eight are really wrong about him but I think this season he was uh, the midfielder who kind of most overall summed up the abject dross that was our midfield so I'm giving him worst midfielder on that basis yeah fair enough you're giving worst midfielder to Flaney I'm giving it to Michael Carrick and who are you going to give best midfielder to if such a thing exists I I don't know how to I mean honestly uh, um, Carrick Flaney Cleverly all terrible and Anderson barely played before he was shipped out. So it's going to have to be Darren Fletcher uh, because at least he's fully committed and, and he looked like a Manchester United player on occasion. What about, I've got a proposal for you, we leave Manchester United's best midfielder 
2013-14 season just blank next to it on the on the on the honors board of history the rank cast honors board there is just a blank space next to best midfielder because none of them deserve it because Darren Fletcher has been like as you say has looked like a United player sometimes but he's also looked really very not a United player and it's not his fault in the same way that it is the others but still no I, I think this is a good suggestion yeah yeah no I'm with you I'm with you blank okay <laughs> there's no best Manchester United midfielder that's how bad it is congratulations yeah. and, to and, blank and this just to clarify we're Counting Yanazai and Mata and Shinji as attackers. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and that means that the best attacker of the season award goes to Adnan Yanazai for my money. Um, Shinji flattered to deceive. I love watching him play football and I desperately hope we get the best out of him. I think this award is going to be a shoe in for Juan Mata next season, unless Van Persie has another staggering season. Uh, Rooney would have a shout of this but because he's obviously scored the most goals uh, I love Danny Welbeck but still Adnan Yanazai has been the one who has lit the place up and, and no one else certainly not even Rooney has lit the place up this season No that's a good shout in that you know, you feel some excitement when Yanazai uh, is playing. He hasn't played a lot of games, of course, especially in the second half of the season. Rooney, I, I mean, I don't think he's had a good game since Christmas. Uh, and, uh, of course, he's scored that blinding goal against West Ham. Uh, he's put the numbers up. He's going he's gonna to end the season with, what, what was it, 19 goals and about the same amount of assists, something like that. Uh, so good numbers, playing from a deep position. But the performances haven't been good. Uh, if you think good performances are running around, then yeah, fine. You know, I, I think it's mainly only British fans that that kind of rate that. You know, in my opinion, I know that's a gross generalisation, but I don't rate Rooney highly because he runs around. I think work great is the first thing you expect of a player, and and the quality should come on top. And it hasn't been good enough most of the time. And you know, I know that's against the narrative because. United spent so much time, and Moyes in particular, spent so much time praising him. But I also think it's in context as well. You know, these guys uh, being paid like a world superstar, and he wasn't able to drag United out of the doldrums in the way that you'd expect a world superstar to do. So, yeah, I can't give him best attacker for me. And and so I suppose it's a mix between Matter and Yanazai. Matter, moments of sublime quality, not enough, not enough. And I think some of that wasn't his... And fought, he played too many games wide as when Moyes was manager. Um, four games under under Ryan, of course, didn't start all of them. So you know, it, we, we, there's loads loads more to come from Matter. I think uh, be interesting to see how Van Gaal, Van Hal uses him. Will he use him just behind the striker? Will he use him uh, in a wide position? Will he use him in a more conventional midfield position? Because you know they're all open. But uh, yeah, I suppose after that rambling, I'm going to have to agree with you. And and uh, my attacker of the season goes to Yanazai. Nice. The the boy Juan. He's got six in six in his last six games since the goals started. They've not stopped, and I think that that really does bode well for next season. So I'm excited. He scores lots of goals. You know, he scored twenty at Chelsea last season. Yeah, which is uh, the number of Rooney's got this season or there or thereabouts. Um. Anyway, you know, we we missed a uh, missed a key award. Uh, who's your goalkeeper of the season, Paul? <laughs> well, I don't want to. I don't want to foreshadow anything. We'll come back to goalkeeper of the season. Um, not that. Not that it's obvious who our player of the season is or anything. Um, so, Ed, we will move on to some of the slightly more esoteric awards. What was what was your low point? Your your single worst moment of the season? Yeah, because I was debating this in my mind. Um, this question. There's two that stand out in my mind. You might have different ones. 
and uh, you know, I'll, I'll just go through both of them, and then, then I'll make a decision. So, so the, the two, the two are the day David Moyes walked in the door at Old Trafford, it's July the first, two thousand and thirteen, about nine o'clock in the morning, a day that will remain in infamy, uh, to quote South Park, the movie, um, and and United's performance away at Olympiacos because that was dreadful, and yet not only was it dreadful, it was so unlike Manchester United, and it was embarrassing on the European stage to perform that badly. So those are the two worst moments of the season for me. And and given that it's really about football, the Olympiacos one is probably the worst. Yeah, I, I mean, that that would be my number two. Uh, the worst moment of the season for me was Fulham at home because that was the moment when I realised that if I was going to be in any way true to myself, I was going to have to give up on David Moyes altogether and that didn't feel like a, a fun thing to do because I, I was all, all in favour of desperately kind of trying to support him and trying to see that there was a way that you know, maybe it was wrong about him and he could turn this around, blah, 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 blah. But that, that Fulham game, not just the game, but the, the combination of the Stoke game, the quotes after the Stoke game, and then the Fulham game and the quotes after the Fulham game. And, and that was it for me. I was, uh, I was properly gutted. But yeah, I think I would certainly be happy with the overall rank cast award going to uh, that Olympiacos game because it was uh, properly, properly pathetic. Uh, something that's been uh, a little bit harder probably to decide what what's been your high point of the season this season yeah uh, so I'm, I'm tempted to give this to blank again that'd be a second award of the night i mean because <laughs> there aren't too many um no this i'm not having blank on this one there's been some magic magic moments this season I, I know, yeah, but they're all individual moments, aren't they? You know, they're not they're not games or victories or any of that because you know there just haven't been any good victories at all. You know, there have been some sublime moments of skill from when Matter and Shinji, the beautiful goal at West Brom. Uh, there have been some big thrashings. I mean, thrash Swansea and thrash uh, Leverkusen, and and uh, there was the European turnaround against Olympiakos. You know, all all great moments. But you know, I guess the the and this sounds awfully cynical, but I guess the moment that Ryan Giggs led the team out for Manchester United for his first game as manager of Manchester United was probably the high point, and that says a lot about the season. I mean, absolutely no question for me. That was the most extraordinary moment that happened this season. Uh, it was electrifying to be in that stadium at uh, that moment. Uh, I've never felt anything quite like that. It was it was really really special. So yeah, I'm 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 certainly there. Now now you know what his brother's wife feels like. He felt that pull. <laughs> um, I have to say that the second runner up for that would definitely be when Moyes got the boot. And and like you know, this is not a Schadenfreude thing. I'm I'm not happy like that he suffered at all but the relief the sheer the fact that we're here recording this podcast not having to be having a discussion about what the heck David Moyes is going to do next it like that is such a relief and talking of David Moyes the worst David Moyes quote of the season there's, there's some heavy hitters in this one so what are you going to have as the absolute worst yeah I mean there's some really funny ones and some really embarrassing ones but the one that irked me most was where he said that United should aspire to be more like Manchester City or aspire to their level, I think he said. So that was the one that annoyed me most. So that was the worst one for me. But I think there are others that are more embarrassing. And for you? Uh, yeah, I mean, the thing about all these Moist quotes is they read so terribly and he never meant any of them like this. He never meant to say we should aspire to the level of Manchester City 
in the sense that we all feel it when he said it. He just meant they were really good and we weren't as good as them and we'd like to be that good. You know, we should be that good. But it just came across so small time. But for sheer magic, oh my God, this man does not get what he's doing. Uh, We're going to try and make it difficult for them. Talking about Newcastle United coming to Old Trafford. Right, yes. <laughs> that was uh, quite unbelievable. Quite unbelievable. Yeah. And, and in the same context of, uh, uh, you know, after the game, then talking about uh, why he had to substitute Robin Van... Or didn't substitute Robin Van Persie because of what people might have said about him. You know, weak, weak, and a bit more weak. But that was David Moyes all season. And you probably could have picked a dozen quotes that would uh, would have been value for that PR gaff of the season or Moyes quote of the season. Uh, goal of the season? Um, I mean, this is this is there's a genuine debate to be had, isn't there? I mean, uh, the goal that I single had, like the goal I enjoyed most this season was, well, Welbeck against Swansea and Welbeck against West Brom. Two fine goals. Yeah, but I don't think I'm going to give it to either of them because I think it's a two-horse race ultimately between Patrice in Munich and and Rooney against West Ham. And I think we should get a consensus on this, Ed. I think we we shouldn't uh, faff around having a a sort of joint one-each award on this. We need a a definitive rank-cast goal of the season. Okay, well, we've got to argue for both then. So for me, the arguments are Rooney's is the best goal because he scored it from 50-yard yards and he's hit it on the sort of, um, you know, with the ball bouncing and uh, he's he's pretty much hit it perfectly, spoilt only by the fact uh, that uh, the ball bounced rather than going into the net on the full. It's just an aesthetic thing. It was an outstanding goal. For Everett, well, it's a brilliant goal because he's hit it so sweetly, but you've probably seen 50 goals of that quality this season around Europe uh, but for the moment there was a lot of pleasure in that uh, you know away in Munich and it felt so unlikely didn't it and Patrice Evra not exactly the likeliest candidate and he smashes one into the top corner and the problem that both of these goals have and and why in a way I feel like we should swerve and give it to Danny is because both of these players try stuff like this all the time and it almost never works and these are the ones that kind of just got there's almost like a degree of good fortune to it rather than I mean in a way it's kind of harsh because it's also perfect execution so I guess no I, I'm not I'm, I'm backtracking on my own argument I, I'm happy to give it to Rooney I feel like he, he gets so much stick on this podcast he never gets any credit for the good things he does and and we love Patrice Evra and 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 Rooney is not such a beloved figure but my goodness he scored from the halfway line well right absolutely yeah it goes to Rooney even if he did foul a defender and then luck the ball into the net and now it's time to do some listener branded questions at grey marblestone uh, asks us what we think uh, in a two horse race uh, i think this is fine i think it's okay to set nominees for biggest relief of the season the nominees are david moyes leaving and liverpool not winning the league oh, which, <laughs> which of those two ed is the biggest relief of the season well they could also be uh, how small time are you <laughs> <laughs> i mean because they're, they're both pretty small time aren't they you know let's uh let's, let's... i don't know I, I think i think the david moyes one could be argued that actually that's not small time at all because it's the it's the greater benefit of manchester united that's at stake here. Yes, and and for the, for that reason, uh, I'm voting for Moyes. Although Liverpool not winning the title, I did get a, a an unusual amount of pleasure from that, and I have to say that was, it came out a little bit, and uh, I felt a little bit small time about it. But but <laughs> I did tweet 
Rio Six, uh, Gerard Neil, and uh, about a thousand people retweeted it. So, <laughs> so I'm thinking I'm not alone there. Uh, but you're feeling. certainly not alone. And I, mean, I also, I also thoroughly enjoyed Luis Suarez, the racist bastard that he is, uh, crying a lot. Not, not, not just crying, sobbing. Uh, and uh, did that hurt, Louis? Did it? Did it a little bit? I think ultimately, I'm get the. I was more relieved by Moyes leaving than I was by Liverpool not winning the league because I'd sort of steeled myself for the prospect of Liverpool winning the league, and and you know, was, I was going to be begrudgingly respectful and all that stuff. So it was just kind of an amusing aside. Liverpool not winning the league, but but David Moyes leaving proper relief. Uh, at Happy Hero says the worst record broken this season. We played well. That's, uh, that, that's been a broken record all season. <laughs> Maybe that's not what he thought when he asked the question. Um, uh, yeah, a lot of them, because there's all the ones, you know, Swansea, Newcastle, West Brom winning. First time United had been out in this, that and the other competition in years. But but I think it, the one that sums up the season, it's the lowest points total in the, the history of the Premier League era. And in fact, I think it's the lowest points total uh, for like 25 years or something like that. And I think that sums up the season. So that's the... The record for me. I think the one that I would give it to is losing home and away to Liverpool and Manchester City for the first time ever. Because that's, 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 that's pretty horrendous. Yeah, yeah. That's what has the edge over the points total because the points total, we've been there before, you know, we've been relegated and, and all that kind of stuff in our history and, and it's a sort of Premier League era record, that is. But the Liverpool and Man City record is literally ever, you know, that is not a Premier League record. That's uh, That's all time. So I'm going with that one. Yeah, uh, I love this question and I haven't got a good answer for it but in fact we will not give a proper reward but I, I just wanted to mention it because it really made me laugh at Craig English 92 the best cross against Fulham award well there are 82 candidates so yeah <laughs> yeah 81 81 80, 81 81 oh 82 in some yeah. some stats yeah Oof. shocking shocking oh right okay well let's let's give let's give it to that well, who I tell you what it was definitely one that Adnan Yanazai played uh, Juan Mata put in the cross that Van Persie scored from so that's probably the best one because it actually found his man <laughs> unlike most of the others it wasn't really a cross though it was like a through ball from the edge of the area so I'm not sure it got I think it got recorded as a key pass I don't think that's one of the 81 slash 2 oh shocking in that case I don't know but yes it's probably one from Jazz Hands isn't it um, and at <laughs> this one I think this is this is a penultimate award of the night from at Amondarake 21 most number of crosses without looking up well of course this is related to Fulham because uh, it's Antonio Valencia with about 987 uh, crosses without looking up every single cross he has played this season uh, he has not looked up and he's just hit it in uh, and about 95 0.319% of them have hit the first defender. Yeah, I mean, Ashley Young definitely deserves some credit for this award. He definitely deserves a kind of... Uh, uh, he was definitely one of the nominees and he's just honoured to be nominated. But yeah, crosses without looking up is Antonio Valencia's thing. He used to be such an artful cross of the ball and now he just gets to the byline and hits it really hard in towards the middle of the area. He does. I actually think Young does look up, and this is the more damning thing. He's just got zero quality. There was a there was a game. I'm trying to remember which game it was uh, when he was substituted uh, not that long ago, where he missed his man with every single cross, and every single one he put 18 crosses in before he was substituted, and uh, didn't make a single one, which is Ashley Young all over. And it's uh, I don't think it's always him not looking up. I think it's just a fundamental lack of quality. Kind of unfortunate. Um, so talking about 
quality, a player that has demonstrated no lack of quality this season. And that is Manchester United's player of the season, Danny Welbeck. Well done, Danny. We all knew it was coming. We all knew he was inevitable. No, but seriously, folks. But seriously, folks. Drum roll, please. Drum roll. Uh, Non-Spanish international, but going to the World Cup, David De Gea. Well done, David. A very fine season. One notable error, and I really can't remember another one. Very unfortunate that a goalkeeper gets a clean sweep of uh, Player of the Season awards, but there's just no other one that deserves it. And, and strangely enough, not, not named as the uh, Premier League's goalkeeper of the season, which I think was wrong. I think he's had a better season than Czech. Uh, and uh, I think he deserved to win that award another time. But he's been faultless. You know, apart from that goal against Sunderland uh, in the Carling Cup, which was very unfortunate, uh, he's barely made a single mistake all season. And his attitude's been really good uh, when a lot of players maybe haven't had the best attitude. Like, he's bolted himself up. He's obviously put a huge amount of work in off the pitch. Um, he's not complained about the changing goalkeeping coach or anything. He's had the the lovely bromance with Juan Mata to just add a, add a delightful uh, bit of flair to our season where did it all go wrong for the lad hey and and he's got a super hot girlfriend as well who he brought along to the uh, the awards looking well super hot the thing about De Gea is he's like just getting started well, my one slight worry is that the Manchester United MUTV awards are a massive curse because I think Antonio Valencia and Michael Carrick have won them in the last two years uh, and Robbie Van Persie all of whom have had progressively worse seasons ever since but I don't think that's going to happen to De Gea the worry about De Gea is that someone will buy him of course but there's only two options it's Real Madrid and Barcelona at the moment Real Madrid don't appear to be in the mood to get rid of Casillas you know even though he doesn't play every game and Lopez, of course, overlooked for the Spanish squad, even though he plays more games. Victor Valdez is going from Barcelona, but it looks like they've uh, bought Mark andre Ter Stegen from Borussia Mönchengladbach. That's an awful lot of letters in there. It's like someone's just had a stroke and fallen on the keyboard. But, um, you know, it, they've got themselves a young, a very good young keeper, by the way. Um, so, you know, maybe De Gea is safe at Old Trafford for a long, a long time to come. Just get him to sign that contract, please. I'd just give him a 15-year contract now with progressive increases in pay until he's earning like £6 million a day. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, he's got to have some... I mean, like, the fact that we signed Mata has obviously made him really happy because they drive to training together and they're, you know, properly busy mates and they're playing together. And the fact that he's clearly absolutely beloved at the club and the fact that he won fans player and players player of the season, he's got to feel pretty, pretty, pretty great about that, hasn't he? You know? He has, yes. Well, so there it is. That's our awards. Uh, a brief mention of the World Cup, can we, uh, before we go this week? Yeah, and, and for sure. Today, because the next time you hear from us, ladies and gentlemen, will actually be our... World Cup preview show just before the the big one kicks off on June the 12th. So 13 players from Manchester United going to the World Cup, or, well, 12 and a half-ish if you count Phil Jones, who will only go if he's fit. Looks like he probably will be. So we have De Gea and Mata from Spain, Nani, Portugal, Van Persie, Holland, Hernandez, Mexico, Kagawa, Japan, Evra, France, regularly hated Evra, but he will play and probably every game. Jones, Smalling, Welbeck and Rooney for England. All obvious, Carrick and Cleverly missing out on there. Not a surprise given the standard of their performances this season. Valencia for Ecuador, who will also captain the side. And Fellaini and the big surprise, or not surprise, if you listened to the Rankcast about six months ago, is uh, Adnan Yanazai, who's uh, declared for Belgium a couple of weeks ago and, and has been picked in the squad. Much uh, to some players... Uh, unhappiness in the Belgian squad oh really who's unhappy about this Kevin Morales for one 
he doesn't deserve to be on the plane because he doesn't know the group and hasn't performed in uh, in the uh, the qualifiers, which is all true, of course. But uh, I'm not sure he'll stay uh, play much. Uh, Mark Wilmot said this week that he's going for the experience. Although, you know, I wonder whether he's being a bit clever there and Yanazo uh, uh, will be a bit of a dark horse. He's certainly a player you could bring off the bench to make an impact. No, I mean, definitely. Like, there's no doubt in my mind that Yanazai is ready for a World Cup because he's been ready to play for United and it's not really that much different. 15 minutes left in a in a closely fought tie. You're starting to get some domination in possession, struggling to break through. What a fantastic player to have on the bench. I think Mata, I don't know whether he'll end up. That's an interesting point, isn't it? I mean, yes, uh, really. Because he's in the 30. Yeah, yeah, I mean, De Gea is too, but I think they've only got three keepers in the 30. So so all the keepers will be going. The England squad, that's 23. Michael Carrick's a reserve. Tom Cleverley, not even in the reserves. Not to be too England-centric, but it's kind of nice, really, because John Terry's not at this one. So I can start sort of su- supporting England a bit again, which I'm, I'm pretty pleased about. Mind you, there's like five Scousers in the squad. So, you know, that makes me feel a bit dirty. So I'm, I'm not sure about that. All right, well, that, that doesn't bother me so much um I think the England squad's really good I really love what he's done he's basically gone yeah all right then I'll just play all the kids you know he's yeah he's... well all the kids and Lampard and Gerrard so <laughs> yeah 15 yeah, years them. after we first had the debate about you know can Lampard and Gerrard play together they will be playing together I don't think they will I don't think there's any way no, no. He's L- gonna... Lampard's on the bench for yeah. sure and I think Wilshere or, or maybe Henderson will be the the two in midfield in what will probably look like a sort of 4-3-3-ish or 4-2-3-1 type formation so no I, I'm in agreement with you I think it's a pretty exciting squad from Hodgson uh, he said that England had to be more attacking he's gone with mainly younger players it's a, a more inexperienced England squad in terms of the number of caps than for many a tournament uh, so you know there's reason uh, even though I, I can't say I'm a, an England fan per se but there's reason to look forward to England games I mean it can't be worse than Euro 2012 where England were utterly dreadful playing this horrible long ball negative football. Andy Carroll isn't in the squad, so they're not going to be playing long ball football. They're actually going to try and play some games. Of course, they're going to get mullered by Italy and Uruguay and and, uh, scrape a jaw against Costa Rica. But, you know, there you go. At least they'll play some young players. Yeah, and I mean, I think that's huge. I think think on that basis, why not? This This is the thing about this tournament. Why not? try and use it to build for England but from from a purely United perspective there's, there's going to be a huge amount of interest and not least of all I think every United fan second team apart from I guess German United fans are going to be our our new manager's got a team at the World Cup that hasn't happened since 1986 when Sir Alex managed Scotland uh. <laughs> <laughs> well I know but aren't you a bit torn about this one because you know you want him to, to come back for pre-season because pre-season starts basically just as the World Cup ends uh, not for all the players because all the players you know, the 13 or however many it turns out to be in the end will will be given another month off so many of them won't be coming back until early August or so or even later than that but you know if Holland really Holland it up and there's uh, fighting in the camp and they go out early then there's more chance of uh, Van Gaal being able to you know, take hold of the club earlier which is definitely a good thing yeah but we want him arriving on a high 
we don't want him arriving in a kind of shroud of ignominy of like having seen a bunch of Dutch players punch each other and stuff. We we want him to be to have kind of navigated the waters of being the Dutch manager to a successful degree and like maybe a core final exit to Brazil or something like that. You know, not a, a glorious failure would be ideal. Really, very good. Well, uh, you'll hear from us again in about a month's time. Uh, I guess in the week just before the World Cup kicks off. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, in between uh, between now and then, thank you very much for being with us this season uh, it's been a pleasure as always we've done i don't know how many rank casts this season you can count them up if you want it's been a lot i hope we've given you some uh, entertainment along the way we've certainly had fun recording these rank casts it's been an experience i think this season it's definitely not been a good one uh, although i have to say it's given us lots of fuel to talk about on the, the rank cast i think we've done more long rank casts than ever before because there's been so much to uh, yap on about. And you know how we like to yap on. And we do. And there's one last bit of yapping on for us to do. And it is to say thank you very much to the listeners. Uh, we did a little competition. We've got a couple of winners. And at Tatiana MUFC has very, very kindly volunteered to draw a picture, an image, an iconic image from United's history. And Ed, you tried to just let it be funny ones, but I snuck in poignancy under the radar at the end of the show last week. And then um, in second place, a, a fantastic image, but I just could not do this to Tatiana because it would have taken her six months to draw it. At Eggs76, EGS76, uh, with a fantastic shot. Everyone will know it. It's the shot from front on of the bus in the 99 Victory Parade. Yorkies on the front holding the European Cup. Andy Cole's got the other the other ear of the European Cup. Teddy Sheringham's wearing a, a backwards baseball cap. There's a couple of reds up lampposts and uh, the bus says 2-1 on the front of it. It's pretty, pretty special. But the winner, and this is like, this is really personal, this is. The winner is at the last of Budge. It's just the moment. I think it was in Juan Mata's first game for United in that ill-fated Fulham game, I think, actually, where... Juan Mata is gliding on one leg and has his other leg out outstretched to trap the ball and, and the gif on Beautifully Red of this is absolutely beautiful and the reason that I've specifically chosen this image is because as we go into next season that we have so much as United fans to look back on and reflect and there's so much iconography and glory but I really wanted to highlight something that's actually about the, the now and about what is to come next season because you know, it's going to be difficult, but there's also an awful lot to be excited about. And uh, that glide is something that I'm really excited about. One matter is and the type of football that we could play under an exciting new manager. So on that basis, at the last of Budge's getting his pencil drawing from Tatiana in, in a few weeks time. And uh, at EGS76, Steve, um, you'll be winning the programme from Sir Alex's last game. Very good. Well, thank you very much, everyone. It's been a fantastic season. We'll see you for I don't know, four or five World Cup rank casts. We love to do that, even if it isn't really about United. And then we'll probably take a little break after that and be with you for the new season. We'll leave you on this note.